episode 202 of Above Ground Podcast, Through the Lens of a Spouse. Disclaimer, the hosts of this podcast, Will Foley and TPP, are not medical professionals, and this is not medical advice. Both Will and TPP have firsthand experience with mental illness. They have their own perspective and own thoughts on mental health challenges. These conversations aim to break down the walls while building stronger foundations for positive mental health. Above Ground Podcast was birthed to help those who struggle with their mental health through honest dialogue. By speaking openly and sharing tools, they foster connection. By fostering connection, they convey hope. With connection and hope, we can continue to increase awareness. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. That's right. What's up, TPP? Good Sunday morning to you, my friend. How are you, friend? I'm all right, buddy. I'm all right. Uh, good morning, everyone. We are on Zoom again and uh, with someone that is local, right? You're from the 518. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Born and raised. There we go. See another proud nipper towner. Here we go, man. Yeah. Timmy, take it over, buddy. Well, we're here with uh, Dave, actually, Dave and Rita McCormick. I met them both, I believe, at, at the Rita Walk. Yes. Um, out of the Darkness Walk in Saratoga. Yeah, two years ago, I believe. No. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and thank you for being and thank you for being there. Oh, amen. It's because amazing, um, amazing gathering, man. Oh, really uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was my I think my fourth this year. This year was my fourth, I think. Yeah, I think we've been to at least three, if not four. But it's uh, it's quite the. Uh, wow. I don't know. I walk through those quilts and I look at it, man, and I'm like, wow, the stories just they, they nail you, man. They nail your heart, you know. And uh, they, they just want, they make you want to reach out and help, you know? Exactly. And that's kind of where we come from this, you know, um, we're not like looking to, you know, dig information out on you, but we're looking to share stories of real people, you know, because in reality, it can be somebody else's survival kit. You know, you're like a hand for somebody that, you know, yes. that, that needs it. And you have a, um, a different story to tell because we usually talk with either, you know, someone dealing with mental health challenges or hurdles, and you are kind of coming at it through the lens of a spouse, as your book says. The, the books, and actually I, I did publish the second one last year too, uh, which kind of takes us through what I call the other side of the valley. Rita had a really, really dark five-year period. It was a struggle. We'll talk a little bit more about that, you know, as we go on. But yeah, there's two sides to the story here, you know, and uh, I've also, I, I've been someone that's struggled myself with anxiety, some dark depression about 15 years ago or so that I survived. And I have uh, a couple friends in the past that didn't survive the darkness, you know, and uh, they're not above ground any longer, you know, and that, that kind of, it hits home, you know, when you, when you know folks that have dealt with this illness, it's definitely a challenge. It sure does. Yep. As we know. Amen. So what what kind of as far as the book goes, did you set out intentionally to write a book or did how did that come about? <laughs> no, it's actually a pretty funny story. So as you know, and, and I spoke with you a little bit, we are we're deeply rooted in the local church here uh, in, in our neighborhood. We, we met in a local church. Uh, we met in a Bible study. We 
We got married in a local church. Rita told me very early on <laughs> that, uh, well, first of all, she tried to avoid me, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> she, she wasn't about to trust men. She had been through a, a really ugly divorce. Uh, I had been through a divorce and the two of us just, we, we connected in the local church. So that's a, a, a really big part of our story. So I would say it's probably about six to seven years ago, we had actually left the, uh, our local church here and went up to Northway to one up in Saratoga because we had felt that God had called us there to help serve. And, and really what, our, what we worked on in ministry since we were married is really helping the poor, the widow, the offer, the, uh, the poor, the widow, the orphan. Sorry about that, guys. Phone's beeping. So our hearts were really to serve those that are downcast. You know, what I didn't know at the time was what I believe God was calling to both of us to the downcast spiritually, you know, uh, uh, emotionally, mentally, uh, the ones that really don't feel like they belong, you know, and, and within the walls of the local church. So about six years ago, I was praying one day and talking with one of our pastors at the time and just felt this this inner voice telling me, you know, the spirit of God saying, you, you need to write your story. At that point in time, Rita's health had really blown off that five-year battle. And uh, I said, okay, all right, God, you know what? I'll do this, but you do understand that I, uh, I barely passed English in high school, right? <laughs> and uh, I said, okay. You know, so I wrote three or four pages and uh, I had them in a file and I, I, I set them aside and the file got corrupt somehow. I lost the file. So I went to God and said, hey, you know what? I told you so. I'm, I'm not a writer. I'm not an author. Fast forward four years later and the COVID-19 pandemic blew up. And at that point in time, Rita had, uh, she was uh, very much on the end of that, what I call the five-year battle, what I write about in the book. And she was on the very end of that where we just tried tweaking meds and, you know, constantly and figuring out what in the world is going on. You know, the world was blowing up right? Anxiety was like through the roof and it still is, right? It, it just, the good thing about COVID-19 pandemic is that we brought it to the spotlight, mental health illness, much more than we have in the past, you know? So in that process, you know, Rita was suffering, the world was suffering and God said, it's time. So I said, okay. And I set out to, to write something. Like I said, I'm not an author. I wasn't an author. I am now, I guess, you know, but, uh, Got hooked up with some great people out of lead authors and uh you know now we're twice over published and it's really it's it's our story it's her story the first books in particular is her story through my eyes you know and uh the second book is really more about both of us and and a, kind of a look through the COVID-19 experience the the pandemic experience and what's happened in the world so it's a little bit deeper it's probably a little bit more written because the first one's really raw with a lot of dark humor and 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 sarcasm you know so yeah that's that's where we got to with the books and uh you know now our hope is to we've got another five years or so before i retire so what our plans and our hopes are is to travel specifically to the local churches now ironically, I, I work in the retail supermarket business. So I've done this for 40 years and, and I am in one of the higher management positions within the stores. So I have a lot of young kids that I actually speak with. I don't like to use the word counsel because I'm not a counselor, you know, uh, I'm not a doctor, but it, the, the books have opened up 
you know, a, an unbelievable amount of opportunity to speak with these kids that are suffering. And, and it's, it's really pretty bad out there right now. I wanted to ask you about, so I, I understand that the church is very important to you. And were you involved in the church as a youth also, or did, was this something that you came to through your own dark experiences? We both grew up in the Catholic church. And, uh, as as did I, yeah. yeah. As and as most left, of us, we, as so many of us yeah, did, <laughs> especially in in uh, in the Northeast here. This is absolutely Catholic area. Uh, so we grew up in it, and I was seventeen or eighteen. I uh, a friend of mine who had some really deep mental health issues and problems, and you know, the seventies was all about drugs, sex, rock and roll, and and you know, that was my lifestyle back then. We joke often that we never would have hooked up as, as husband and wife back then. She's shaking her head. <laughs> uh, so my buddy just, he, he was going to the Catholic church and he was like, really, he was, he was a mess. You know, it's, it's pretty sad. He was a mess and I didn't completely understand. I thought it was just the drugs and stuff, but it really was mental health. But he kept telling me about this little nun in the back, in the, in the back chapel of, of the, the local Catholic church that would have prayer meetings and talk about being born again. Now, I, I, I don't want to get too deep and spend all the time on that, but, you know, he brought me there and basically, you know, being born again. Yeah. We, it, it happened in the Catholic church, but it, being born again, basically is just, I surrendered my life to Christ. Cause I already knew I was a mess at that point in time. Right. So with the hope of, you know, kind of straightening out, being, you know, doing life right, getting away from drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. But it would take me the next 20 years to get there, you know. So and I stayed in the church for a long time. But I also started reading, you know, reading the Bible and, and really digging in and studying. And what I found out over a period of time is that what I was learning didn't line up with all the rules and the regulations of the church. You know, that there was a lot of man-made rules and so I found a church that, you know, was a evangelical church, basically Baptist church, not, not the legalistic Baptist church. You can't dance, can't sing, not that, not that type of Baptist church. One that understands that we're, we're people, right? We're humans. We, we, we need, <laughs> we needed somebody to save us, man, because we are a wreck, you know? So that's, just as my divorce, my, my divorce was being finalized, I real, I hooked up with this church, just got grounded with the pastors there, uh, great guys, got connected, ended up meeting Rita there two years later, uh, and, you know, we just, after six months of her hiding from me, she finally gave in, you know, so, and that's, you know, it, it, it's a, a different experience, it's not, I didn't have a, a Saul or Paul conversion you know, walking on the road to Damascus and all of a sudden my life changed. No, my life changed through a series of events over a long period of time, you know. And now as, as I'm older and I look back, I would have done things differently, but that's, we're, we're where we are because of who we are, right? No matter what kind of mistakes we made. And that, that doesn't, that goes with the whole world too, not just with, with the Christian community or whatever, you know, whatever God you choose to serve. You know, and, and we're, Rita and I are not about forcing our beliefs out upon anybody. That's not our job. I, the Bible doesn't tell us it's my job to go do that. You know, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God, you know, and, and we, we will never force, but we will embrace and encourage and support whoever you are, 
and whatever your circumstances are. And that's really where my job has really, you know, I've done more of that outside of the church than I have inside of the church at this point. But we do hope to take it, you know, retire and uh, take it on the road. And we're actually in the process. It's going to take us another four or five years to wrap everything up. We're in the process of building a, a, a website and a ministry called Silently Suffering Ministries. Because the stigma is just as bad within the walls of the church, if not worse at times, you know, and, and the judgment and the stares. And it took us well, the better part of 13 years to really talk about her depression in the well, church. Actually, let's, that's kind of where I wanted to steer this, because obviously your book is through the, the lens of a spouse. So I kind of wanted to actually ask, how does that conversation happen? in a relationship that's fresh and new? How do you talk about, how do you start having that conversation about someone who has a mental health struggle and issue or hurdle? Cause obviously Rita had, right. Rita had issues. You had issues. Yep. And it's like, how do you start that conversation? Does that conversation start because someone has like has a meltdown or, or, or loses it for better lack of terms because of, because you you don't have the communication set up yet or how does that work Rita is that something that you would like to talk about or would you rather have Dave talk about um, I'll say something um basically I've had depression clinical depression since my 20s so it's been my life um and when Dave and I met you know we were older second marriages because my first one, I'm actually a domestic violence survivor. This one, I wanted to be sure. That's why I ran away from him. I don't blame her. But anyways. I can't, um, I can't say being protective of yourself is not to be expected after that. <laughs> you know, we, we knew what to expect in a marriage or what not to expect. We wanted to make sure that we were taking the right step to it. And I had a lot of baggage. And he knew before we were dating that because I was out of church for like three weeks. And she vanished. She vanished one day. He didn't know what happened. And he became friends with my best friend. And she just told her that I was sick. Well, I actually was in the hospital. She was doing a stint at Four Winds at the time. So um, I came back, and that's when he started making moves. And we never, <laughs> we never talked about it, though, until we started getting more serious. And then, you know, I said, I think we need to have a talk about, you know, what's going on with my health. And so I basically opened up about the mental health, you know, told them I had been in the hospital several times and, you know, they tweaked my meds and, you know, all that, but that it's not all at the bottom of the valley, you know, I'm at the top of the mountain a lot of times too, you know, doing you know, acting normal, being normal, just like everybody else. What is normal? I mean, really, I I, I, as, as you know, that we've, I live with depression and have for many, many years and the clinical part of it for 
probably the last 20 or so myself. So I, it's a shirt. I I'm very comfortable in myself. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said normal. <laughs> well, that is what the world looks at, right? It is, you know, I mean, they're not normal. <laughs> yeah. we're I'm, not. I'm just like the person sitting next to me. You know, I just have uh, challenges that I deal with on a daily basis. I never went into my first marriage with the domestic violence until much later. He said, when I told him about the depression, he said, what did you say? Basically, well, that's all right. We'll work through it. You know, I'm a mess too. I got my own baggage. That It was that type of an answer that, that I gave her. And, you know, the thing was, is I had no idea what we were getting into together as a married couple. No clue at all. I, my depression, my anxiety was so much, much milder, however you want to say it, than what this poor woman is going through, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of learning along the way for both of us in that process, you know, and I think that's part of what you guys kind of wanted to hit on here today, is, you know, doing life together when you have these ups and downs, and Rita's not bipolar, but the ups and downs, you know, unfortunately, we went through a really, really long period of time. And I think that was the turning point, wouldn't you say, babe? Mm -hmm. You know, we got to a point where we finally said, hey, you know what? We can't talk about this in the local church, right? We, we can't because the stigma, you know, because of the shame. And our pastors knew, but, you know, poor Rita, I'll never forget her reaction that day when I did say it's okay we'll work through it she you know I think she thought I was crazy too and I am you know <laughs> not that I like the word crazy either but come on let's be real here today right you know so I do remember giving her a Christmas ornament the first year we were dating or dating or married and it was this she likes she likes to bake and she's got nuts she puts nuts in everything. I'm not a big nut person. Well, I gave her this little Christmas ornament of a squirrel collecting nuts. And it was like, it was bait. <laughs> it says something like, I'm nuts about you. I'm like, huh? that probably wasn't the best thing for me to do at the time. Because at that point in time, I really had, still didn't have the idea of how deep and dark her journey was, you know. Uh, but it's okay, because that sense of humor is has gotten us through a, a lot of stuff, you know. That's awesome. It sounds like I was just going to say it sounds like, you know, a sense of humor, a willingness. Um, I'm hearing like a combination of like hope, connection and courage is like a common theme that that is happening. And, and uh, you know, I, I commend you both. But Dave, like I feel like you have this I don't even know the word like this huge well of, of empathy and understanding for people. And I, I think that having that understanding is, is huge. You know, when, when you're dealing with this situation, I think any interpersonal relationship is going to be difficult, but, you know, to just kind of go, yeah, we're going to get through it. I mean, I'm sure that lifted a weight off of Rita's shoulders, you know, in a way. Yeah. I think that's like when she first actually started to like me a little bit, you know, <laughs> before that, it was just about maybe having a cup of coffee or something, you know, just a little bit. Yeah. Just <laughs> do, you, a little. do you think, cause you had just talked about, um, you know, some, some dark periods and, and the five-year thing. Do you think making it through those difficult times, did that better the relationship? I think so. I think that the relationship, we're not perfect. Okay. Neither one of us, we don't, we don't, we don't, especially me. Okay. I still have, I had some issues, right? You know, I get frustrated. I get angry. I get, you know, I, I am, I'm human. We were very specific when we, we knew 
what direction we wanted our marriage to go in because we had both been through burning wrecks, okay? And, and so we knew that we wanted it to be grounded in the local church, right? We, we wanted to, to connect in that fashion, you know, when we first met without, and this is going to sound really old fashioned, but we had no sex ahead of time, right? We, we were not intimate ahead of time. What we both learned and knew, right? And this is hard. This is a hard thing for the world, you know, and it doesn't matter what you believe, but we, we believed that it was better for us to get to know each other, right? Without that intimacy, right? We, we believe that, that, you know, and still believe that that joining together is for marriage. That's what we believe, not judging anybody. That's us, right? But for us, I that was a huge benefit, I think, for us learning over the first year who we really were with each other. You know, without those expectations of, you know, am I good in bed? Am I, am I, you know what I'm saying? You know, how was that? How was it? No, we got to learn who we were, right? And through that process, that built a relationship that was strong, you know, and as one obstacle after another came upon us in that five-year period that I, the five-year battle I talk about, Rita had to go to the hospital three times, right? Four wins, three times as they continued to try to tweak and fix her meds and stuff. Her father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Then he suddenly died. Her mother, once the father died, her mother just went off the rails with uh, dementia, right? And, and, so then Rita had nearly had a, a nervous breakdown, you know, and, and I struggled to understand why she needed a hospital because I thought I was her savior, you know, but I, I'm not. <laughs> she needed the right people around and she knows, you know, as we, and then my brother, the first hospital stent, my brother died from leukemia, you know? So we had a whole bunch of things happen to us at one period of time that just blew up the depression. And that's what we walked through together. Those And then I was diagnosed another year later or so with cancer. So, which we had to overcome that too. I had prostate cancer and now we're six, six years or seven years cancer-free, I believe. So that was just one more thing in that five-year period that just, you know, those beginning days and what we planted, you know, and how we, we intermingled together and where our hope was is how we've managed to get through this is the stuff that destroys marriages, families, friends, right? You guys know. Well, yeah. And, and yeah, I kind of want to, because you're leading to an interesting point because you actually, by what you described, and I actually want to get Rita's opinion on this because I, I'm interested in this, is that you described what a lot of couples would die for to have that kind of intimacy. Because that is a true intimacy builder, how you came to your whole thing. Yep. Rita, what is your take on and how are you doing? How is this relationship and how are you feeling now compared to your past relationship and having been through all the things that you've been through? What do I think about the way we did it? Yeah. How, like, what is your view years? of your relationship and, and how it was built through um, your eyes? Because yeah. you came from, from an, a really a really dark experience the first time. Right. Yes. Um, I was very cautious. I basically probably was the one that held back the most because again, I didn't know who he was. When I first met him, I ran to the head pastor because I was like, 
who is this guy? And um, of course he, is, he assured me that I was okay. We just did things very slowly, cup of coffee. Um, we went to a park, sat on a bench. I mean, we, and we just learned about each other. We didn't talk a lot about our pasts because we didn't want to dwell on that. We wanted to dwell on the future. How many years have you been married now? 15. Wow. What is one of the biggest things that you guys have learned coming through this journey about mental illness and how it affects the dynamic of your relationship? You have to communicate. Like when I'm having a bad day, you know, I have to like let him in on it because I actually have a chart on my bedroom wall that has to do with depression and how it works up to feeling when you are suicidal or you know to go to the hospital and they're little triggers and we talk about them and I never get so far before I ask for help. And it's just a little reminder, but they pass those out at various, at the Rita walk. They pass all those things out and it's a good idea to put them on a wall somewhere in your bathroom as resources. Thank you for that. Cause usually we ask about a tool. So that was perfect. That was awesome. And she has, she also has a list of phone numbers and contacts, you know, who to call first, you know, especially if she can't get to me first, you know, so having that plan in place. Well, actually that's that. Actually, that's what I was just about to ask you. Do you, Rita, do you have an individual service plan and a safety plan already, like where it's already set? Yes. Okay. I have a list of about five or six friends. If I can't get hold of Dave. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. That is is such a huge, that's a big community, boy. They all know my situation. And if I get to the bottom of the list and I don't get anybody, then I start over at the top again. Or so, we call nine one one. Yeah, was it eight 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 now? I want to say nine eight eight. Yeah, nine eight eight. Yeah, nine eight eight will definitely yeah. get you to who yeah. you need to get to now. That's a huge sign of strength that you, if you do make it through the list, to actually start over again. That's a great idea, but it's also like a huge, huge show of, of strength. Like because if if you think about it, if you have five people and you. You kind of like, I can see myself doing it. Like I'm on the third, no, you know, the fourth, fifth. And I'm like thinking, oh, geez, you know, nobody cares. And like, I'm like pushing myself down further. But, you know, I got to commend you on that to like start over. That's a great idea to just start yeah. the list over. I've For never real. That's had awesome. to use it to Thankfully. a degree. You know, I've never had to go through all five, you know, but I would see myself like you thinking, oh, nobody cares. What am I going to do? But it does work. Or he'll awesome. come home. Yeah. You know, I've, yeah, I've come home just because I, you know, we've had conversations on the phone and, and there's a handful of times I just left work, you know, and I am thankful that I have that ability that, oh, your you know, son came over. yeah, my son came over uh, once, but I'm thankful that, that I have, I, I know, you know what I mean? I just know. And I think this goes back to that, the very beginnings of our relationship, getting to know each other and, and having that, that intimacy, you know, that 
I can tell by the tone of her voice, I have to leave now. I have to go home and be with her. She can't sit in the darkness alone this afternoon. And she doesn't even have to ask me for that. I can just, you know, it's one of those gifts that, it, that you know, is huge when, when you know somebody really, really well. So it's also yeah. huge for you to, to take on that role and come home and do that. That's, it's, this is great. Like, that's like, that's what it takes, you know, to be in this type of relationship, you know? It's it's great, but you know what? And I'm sure you guys probably wanted to go there at some point. This is not an easy, it's not an no. easy lifestyle, man. <laughs> and you guys, by no know. means, yeah, by no means, did I? Oh, uh, we live this that. stuff every day, twenty four seven. It's yeah, like, no, it's right? not. I just want to commend you on that ability to develop that level of intimacy, and because this is your second marriage for both of you, do you think that that was that the impetus for that level of of planning it on both of your sides? Because obviously with Rita, your experience being different, like I can understand, like there's a different level of alarm and and different right. things that that play into your way. I would have to imagine play into your way of thinking when it comes to right. meeting somebody new. Being our second marriage and being the fact that neither of them were very good. Luckily, I had no children in it in my first marriage. So it was very easy for me. Not, I mean, it wasn't easy, <laughs> but it made it that much, I will say, easier to get up and leave because I didn't have children. And <clears throat> thankfully, I've never seen my ex since the day I left. That's good. In all these years. <laughs> Dave, however, yes. has two grown children and we are faced with that on a regular basis, yeah. which is difficult. At times, yeah. But we've, we've adjusted. We now have four grandchildren too. Newest one born just a couple of weeks ago. So there's, you know. There's oh, congratulations. Reason. Thank you. <laughs> Rita's kind of had that opportunity to uh, to have some some babies in our life here, you know. So it's it's definitely unique and cool all at the same time. I got a question actually for for both of you. Obviously, you're, you're going to both have different answers, but for Rita, would you? Is there anything, you know, whether it be advice or anything that you would like to say to someone living with mental illness that? You know, basically, you're saying something to the partner of that person. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you could like advice or, you know, maybe a tip that you could relay to that person? And then, to the Dave, partner the, or the person? yeah, yeah, the, the partner. So, and then, Dave, the same thing coming from the other angle, you know, is there anything um, like anything you could offer up? Yeah, I would on both ends for the person with the depression as well as the partner. You need to be patient. You need to, you know, dissect in a way what's going on with the person that has depression and try and understand as much as you can. I mean, he's gone to doctor's appointments with me and he's yeah. tried to understand the medications, you know, the hospitals, the, I mean, he's really gotten involved to where we both understand what's going on. Yeah. If I change a medication, we look it up, you know, and we think, well, is this going to work or not? And 
you know, but for the spouse, you know, a lot of times they say, I didn't sign up for this. But really, if you think about the vows that you said on your wedding day, you know, it's for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do you part. And it's that illness that you did sign up for, but you have to be patient. Patience is the biggest, biggest thing. It's funny because, uh, she basically hit on all the things that when you asked those questions and stuff that was coming through my mind, she would say, especially early on in that, especially that five-year battle and some of the stories that I tell before that in the book, she would constantly tell me, you didn't sign up for this. I'm sorry. You didn't sign up for this. I'm like, no, I did sign up for this. This is, this is my responsibility, right? And having, I think, both the sufferer and the spouse right? It has to have that, you have to be able to be responsible to and for one another, right? You, you, you have to be honest, right? You, you, this is not, this is so difficult to live through, in my opinion, uh, that it breaks my heart that, that she suffers from this, you know, and there's days that I have to just step back and just listen you know so for the spouse of of the person that's suffering you you need to you need to listen you need to sometimes they just and i already said it but sometimes people just need someone to sit in the darkness with them they they don't need your solution to the right they don't need your solution to the problem they don't need me she doesn't need me telling her hey be anxious for nothing she doesn't need to be me beating her with bible verses right <laughs> or any other thing like that you know whether it you know it, because that doesn't help right what helps is is being there being educated and understanding this illness understanding this is an illness this is no different than cancer you know it's not it's maybe it's a different type of illness but it's still an illness and we need to, we need to understand, you know, as the spouse of the sufferer, I need to understand what is this? You know, why is it what the depth of this, right? The medications, the, the psychotherapy, we have engaged in years learning together about that. And that's, I think that's the lifesaver, you know, for us. I, I really do. It's, it's together, you know. That's, that that's answer? awesome. That's awesome. You're a good team. You are. We a good do team. okay. <laughs> we do okay together. You know, we're not perfect. I gotta say that again, man. I drive hey, like, crazy some days. Like you said, we're human, and I think that's Amen. that's uh, you know that's something that sometimes we lose focus on is that we're human. Like, yeah, I get mad, and that's fine. We we get all we have emotions for a reason, yeah. you know, and the reason is to feel them. What becomes a problem is if you react poorly to these emotions and do something that, you know, it, but it, it's okay to feel them and, and communicate them. Hey, I'm yeah. feeling this way because of this, you know, and talk it out, but yeah, yeah we're human, you know, no one's, no one's going to be perfect. You know, no one's going to do the right thing all the time. It's a, Amen. it's more about accepting that and understanding that. Absolutely. Absolutely. David, thank you. And Rita, thank you so much for being on the show this morning and sharing your story and, and, and making the world a better place by sharing the story and, and spreading. But before we get into the closing part of this, where can we find 
through the lens of a spouse and your new book. You said you had a new book coming yeah. out. Yeah, it actually came out in, in June, uh, Through the Lens of a Spouse 2, uh, The Other Side of the Valley is the second one. They're both available on Amazon in paperback form and in uh, ebook, Kindle form. Okay. And you also can find them at the Living Word Parable Store in Latham. Okay. Rich over there has been very supportive in, in carrying both books for quite a long period of time now, you know. So, yeah, they can be found there, too. If you want to support local business, uh, that's even better. And somebody could always reach out to me. Find me on Facebook. I'm not too hard to find. Tell on the website. And uh, the, uh, we have, actually, we have two pages right now on Facebook, not websites. I am working on a website, but two uh, pages, uh, Dave and Rita McCormick through the lens of a spouse that somebody could contact us through that one. And then I have one that we started for Silently Suffering Ministries where we could be contacted through that one. Uh, so all they have to do is send me, uh, I have plenty of copies too. <laughs> so send me an email, whatever, and, you know, we'll hook up. So uh, the more people that we reach, you know, the better we all are, right? You know, yeah, God's good. You know what? We, we got a big, big challenge in front of all of us here, man. For sure. So thank you for your part, though, in, in doing your, your share and, and being a help and a service. You know, because you guys together and your books, like I said, are, are, could be could be that resource in, on somebody's wall, you know, and that's what we need. We need as many of these supports as possible, because the reality is some people don't have a lot of support and resources. So to make, you know, make these resources available to everybody is uh, is something that, you know, we like to help provide. And those two books really are just, they, they're, they're both memoirs. They're, they're really our stories. You know, some's fun, some's not fun. You know, some's dark. It, it, but it's, it's, it's a story of hope. That's what I really you know, want people to know. That's what this is about, hope. Sounds like something Will would say. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we usually wrap it up with three questions. So you guys can both answer this a um, little bit of a, a lighthearted one. Do you have a favorite or a least favorite word? Hope is my favorite word. I would say the same thing. Least favorite. <laughs> I got a little note here that I wrote down about that least favorite one. Least favorite is do not. I know it's more. And actually, there's another word coming. <laughs> and I know you said one word, but do not be anxious. I, I kind of cringe when I hear somebody tell Rita that. Don't be anxious. You know what? Just you can suck it up. You can get through this. It's okay. It's like, no, you don't understand. You don't tell an anxious person to not be anxious, right? You know, so that would be you don't my... <laughs> You don't tell somebody with asthma to just breathe, right? No. <laughs> no. Amen. Good stuff. Do you have a least favorite, Rita? Probably just someone. <clears throat> oh, I know someone saying to me well I know what you're going through when in actuality they have no idea no matter how dark your walk is you you're, you can't you can't put yourself into somebody else's right I like to say I can't put my illness into somebody else's box right my illness right my my anxiety isn't the same shape Right. And size of hers, you know, and that's what I think we tend mm -hmm. to do. 
I, I know your goal is to start a ministry and stuff, but what else for a couple who has worked so hard on intimacy? Like what is on your bucket list? Because we've had a pretty heavy conversation. Obviously you've had both some pretty heavy lives um, and I'm, I'm sh- and with the amount of light and hope that you, you bring in and try to try to keep generating, there's got to be something good on those bucket lists that are not mental health church, like any, just, just living life, man. So what is on the bucket list? We, uh, we originally had hope to move to Maine, believe it or not, people in the people, everybody we know want, they, they want to move to Florida or to Carolinas where it's warmer, but we actually love the ocean. We love Maine. Uh, the cold weather doesn't bother us at all, right? The ocean, I'm in it. No matter what time of year, I'll be walking through it, you know? So that was kind of on our bucket list. You know, we're... we're... And, and one of the other things is that when I met Dave, I was used to going on a vacation every yeah. year, yeah. at least for a week or a long weekend. And that's something that we've... Yeah. made sure we do just to get away yeah. and be with each other yeah. and then as well as what you're probably more familiar with is having some date nights yeah. Yeah. to just get away from well we don't have kids in the house but just to get away and spend your time with each other yeah to keep it alive yeah right but yeah. that's good i mean i that is I'm, good i'm not actually surprised by that because the level of the beginning of it, you kind like that is actually a really textbook way of setting a good foundation. The the way you did it, I, I I'm not suggesting it for everybody, but I'm I'm saying like for you, that was like like there was probably no other way to do it but that way in order to make it work. Yeah, it's so important though, to, and not everybody can do what we can do. You know, I have I have a good job, and we're very blessed. You know. Not everybody can do what we do, but you don't have to go travel the world. You know, you just need some time away. And there's a lot of things locally you can do too. Yeah, you know, walk your dog in the park. You know, we'll go to, there's a little park down here where we live in Kins Road. It's just like a little path through the woods, you know, a few miles. And, you know, we'll take the dog over there and we'll walk. You know, that that goes back to that intimacy part, just getting away from everything else that goes on. And and we do love to travel. We, We three four times a year we try to sneak away somewhere and like Sharia said even if it's just for a couple of days we're planning on going to to Maine for a couple of days as we celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary coming up so you know and it's going to be cold but it's okay <laughs> there, yeah right so the last question is if there was something that you would like to see done or that you could do for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint what would it be you know, the biggest thing is helping to stop the stigma to me, you know, and I don't know whether we ever will. <laughs> I hope we do. You know, I, I don't know because the stigma, they're lies, right? They're lies. And, and the stigma holds people back from really sharing who they are. You know, Rita made a really, really good point about she, and this has been one of our focal points every time we've talked anywhere. Rita wants people to know she's no different than them. But you say the word mental health illness, right, or mental illness or depression, and people look at you differently. I think we've made great strides in this area the last three years, right? But 
we need to continue, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that would be the, because we're, and especially in the crazy world where we're living and this, this world's broken. It's really not too hard to figure that out if you watch, right? So we're probably not going to put an end to the illness itself, but we can embrace the illness, right? And, and make those help stop suicide is the ultimate goal by breaking that stigma, you know, because too many people every day are still losing their lives over this. And I would say that if I could do anything, it would be to have more podcasts like yours, Amen. to have more interviews like on the local news. I know they've done a little bit more with the pandemic, but have more groups that have read-a-walks or, I mean, just to spread some of this stuff so that it infiltrates mm -hmm. into the local communities so that people aren't as afraid to open up, you know, and, and, and have more services in the inner cities specifically for pe places for people to go when they're in crisis. Excellent. Agree fully. And um, we had just starting, uh, started to help facilitate mental health meetups at the Sages Circle in Glenville. So it's, yeah, it's pretty local and it's a great shop, great people. They, they do, they offer lots of different things from Reiki to yoga to you name it. And um, they have a sanctuary in the back where, you know, you can just go in there if you want to pray or just meditate or whatever, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's a great place. Thank you very much, both of you for being on. Um, Thank you. Yeah. An absolute pleasure Thank meeting you, you both. And, uh, yeah. Thank you Absolutely. guys for doing what you do. You know yeah. what? Together, I mean, this is what this is about. Together, we can we can fight this thing, man. Yeah, and bringing and bringing different people together with different ideas, man, yeah. from different backgrounds. Yeah. It's still being so it's able about to listen, still being able to listen to one another and have a conversation and not, you know, not get caught up in you know, well, that's your thing and not mine. Like just that whole. Hopefully, thing. hopefully, <laughs> learn you know, learn from one another and see what um, best suits people and what we can each do individually to stomp out stigma you know yes yep absolutely awesome all thank right you. timmy you're very thank you welcome. both thank, thank you both guys. have a great day have you also man you thank well. you very much timmy another great conversation man get well be safe stay above Hey, what's up, everyone? Checking in at the end with you. I hope you enjoyed that episode with David and Rita McCormick. What a wonderful story of intimacy and, and rebuilding lives together after sustaining such trauma in their own relationships prior to meeting one another. The reason why I'm checking in with you at the end is because got something to tell you that Above Ground Podcast is involved in. Above Ground Podcast will be at... The Noteworthy Center Grand Opening on Saturday, April 29th. That's right, this Saturday from 12 to 7 p.m. at 9.30 Broadway in Albany, New York. That's 12207 for you zip code people. Uh, Tatiana, who appeared on episode, I believe it was 105. Uh, Tatiana runs Noteworthy Resources, which is an incredible nonprofit here in the Albany area, um, here in Nippertown. And she is very involved in the skate community, and she has opened a skate park at 930 Broadway. And come celebrate Albany's newest community center, an only indoor skate park for all ages. It's free to attend. It's $15 to skate. And you can go to nwr underscore Albany 
or at Indoor Skate Park. And nwralbany.org is their website. Again, a wonderful organization. Tatiana, an amazing person. We'll have to get her back on to hear all about how this all came about and hear the journey. Go back to episode 105 and find her. Again, until next week, get well, be safe, and stay above. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.